Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. When it comes to buying your first home, everyone has questions. Can we even afford to buy a house right now? Well, I need to negotiate. How do I even negotiate? Luckily, a Remax agent has answers. Hey, Brian, those are really good questions. They are? Thanks. It's my first time buying. I work with first-time buyers all the time. I got you. Remax agents have more experience than other real estate agents. Visit Remax.com or download the Remax app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Each office independently owned and operated. I'm Alan Alda, and this is Clear and Vivid, conversations about connecting and communicating. Carl is devilishly clever, even now, even approaching 98. His questions, I don't feel the leash, but I know he's walking me, (laughs) and I know it. I always knew that whatever you ask him, you're going to get a funny answer. He doesn't know what's coming up. He doesn't he he doesn't trust himself as much as I do because that brain of his doesn't stop does not stop. I've been friends with Carl Reiner and Mel Brooks for over 40 years. They've been friends with each other for 70 years. And during that time they've created together or separately some of the most memorable comedy in our lives. Iconic movies and TV series and Broadway shows. Their sketches on the Sid Caesar show in the 1950s will still leave you gasping on the floor. And so will their recording of the 2,000-year-old man that began as an improvised entertainment at parties and never stopped. Mel and Carl aren't as old yet as Mel's character of the 2,000-year-old man, but they were just as wise and just as funny when I got together with them at Carl's house in Beverly Hills. This is so great that you can be with me today. I'm so grateful to you both. And you sure there's just not... A penny in it? Not at uh, well. I, on the way out, I'll give you fifty cents if you're a good boy. Well, we'll tell you the story about how he feels about being paid for his work. Uh, oh, you got a story about that? I have. What is it? <laughs> oh well, uh, Mel and I did the two thousand year old man for free many, 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 many years, mm-hmm. and ultimately we uh, was um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Steve, uh, Allen. Steve Allen. Steve Allen. We did it at a party, and he says, you got to put this on tape, fellas. And we said, no, it's only for uh, Jews and non-antisemitic uh, Gentiles. <laughs> and so so he gave us his his, his um, studio, World Pacific Jazz. We got a couple uh, dozen uh, sofas, put people in it, and we, we will. He never knew what I was going to ask him, and I never knew what he was going to say. Mm-hmm. So it was fresh from... He was worried because I put him on the spot. He's, he had to come up with something. He didn't know he was going to come up, so he was always nervous about it. And he used to yell at me. He says, what are you getting me into these things? I said, we never fail, Mel. At one point, they invited us to come to San Francisco and do two shows, $12,000 apiece for the two shows, one after another. On the way there, he was complaining all the time. On the way home, he always get me into these things. I don't like to do these things. I don't want to do these things, and I'm just doing this as a friend. And you keep you keep getting me into it. And on the way home, he's quiet. He's very quiet. We killed him for two shows. And I said, Mel, knowing what you know, 
and the reaction you got to what your work, the work you did, how much would you have taken for this job? And he said, seven dollars <laughs> and eighty cents. It was a thrilling, thrilling the, night. The pleasure of making <laughs> a great doing audience, it. and they got everything. Was, it's so interesting that I never heard, mm -hmm. in all the stories I've heard about the two thousand year old man, I never heard that you didn't like doing it, Mel. Well, uh, you know, as Alan Alda, well, you know, once you are famous or celebrated for something, the 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 requests never stop, and you, you know you you have to be selective, or else or else you wouldn't have it. You'd never have a chance to eat chow mein. You just couldn't. <laughs> You'd never, you know. Where did chow mein come Well, from? I love chow mein, but I, you know, there's no chance to eat it if you want to. By the way, by the way, there's something I researched not too long ago that in the old vaudeville days, the guy who owned the act was a straight man. He's the guy who was a writer and he wrote an act. Yeah. And then he'd go hire a comedian. Mm -hmm. He played the straight man to the comedian. That's what I was just thinking and, I, and that I wanted to talk to you both about is my father was in burlesque when I was born. So I grew up watching comics mm -hmm. and, it and I grew up listening to... His father was Robert Alda. He starred in Guys and Dolls and it was one of the most thrilling evenings I've ever Me spent too. in the theater. I never and enjoyed that. And it was Robert Alda singing his heart out in the middle of all of that. And thank you for having such a nice father. Well, I thank you. I, I, I tried. So what I, what I was aware of early on was that it was the, the front part of a joke that made the funny part happen. And it was the straight man that really was a crucially important factor in the funny guy being funny because he sets up or she sets up the premise, and if that's not clear, it's not going to be funny. And I always thought, uh, Carl, I always thought of you as the master of the premise. But, you know, the interesting thing is the first time I came to the show of shows, there was this little guy, and I didn't know who he was, but he was doing a, a thing called the Jewish Pirate. First time I heard him, I didn't know who he was. He says, a Jewish pirate, he says, you know how hard it is to set sail these days? You know what I cost a yard for sailcloth? $3.72 a yard. I can't afford to pillage and rape anymore. That's the first lines I heard. I had no, no he, idea who he was. But this was not professional. He wasn't no, being no, a professional he was, guy. He was just standing up in the writer's room. Yeah, yeah, in the writer's room. He got up. And the funny thing is I came in the following day and I had heard something on television, and uh, a, a pundit, somebody, talk, and I just said, I said, sir, I understand you. This is talking to me now. In the talking, right, talking I, to I you. I said, sir. With, by the way, with, with a wire recorder. I said, this is a man who, you lived 2,000 years, you are 2,000 years old. He says, yes, more or less, whatever. You know, let me, let, let me break in here so, so Carl doesn't get stuck talking. <laughs> He's liable just to get stuck and not know how to stop. So, <laughs> so I just want to help, right. help him so, out a little. So go ahead. I'm breaking in by saying, I'm, I'm in the writer's room. We are thinking of, you know, something for Sid to do that's funny, a sketch. And uh, Carl walks over to me 
with a, with a mic. This was the wire recorder. Because <clears throat> we'd fooled around before and said, understand, I understand you're 2,000 years old, and uh, did you know, did you know uh, Jesus? And I said, thin, right? Thin lads, uh, sandals, right? Hung around 12 other, other guys. They went, they, I had a candy store. They came into my store. They never bought anything. They, they asked for water. <laughs> but uh, yeah, thin, I knew, I knew Jesus. And then he said, how did, you, how did you feel, you know, when he was crucified? I said, terrible. <laughs> he was a nice kid. I had nothing against him. And, uh, <clears throat> and then he kept asking me, uh, you know, from then on, He'd go back in time, you know, how many wives did you have? And so, I mean, he never stopped pestering me. He pestered me into a million bucks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when we finally made an album out of it, uh, and Harry Grant had a studio next to mine. I was, was doing, I started doing pictures. It was Universal. Universal, Grant, yeah. Grant Art. And I, I just got this album, and I said, would you like to hear this? And I gave him the album. And he, he listened to it, and he came back the following day. He says, can I have a dozen? I said, what are you going to do? He says, I'm taking them to England. I said, you're going to take these to England? He says, they speak English there, you know. He <laughs> came you back. Think, you didn't think they'd get the jokes yeah. in England. No, yeah. I, they, he came back, and he says, she loved it. I said, who loved it? Buckingham Palace, the, the queen, queen mother. The queen loved it. And I said to Mel, I said, I said, the biggest chicks in the world got it. Anybody can get it. And that's when the record started to sell. So did you two, once you met and you started almost immediately to be comic partners, writing together, performing together, ad-lib like that, did, did you start to become friends right away uh, well we had two reasons to become friends we made each other laugh and our wives his Anne and and <sighs> stella got along so well so i'm interested you in a way in a way your friendship has lasted way longer than most well, marriages. we met in 1950 you figure it out what, yeah. what's today thursday you know whatever and it's wednesday so so 70 years yeah, yeah, you've been yeah. friends we have been Wow, that's a, that's long, a time. long time. That's a long time, isn't yeah, it? It is. And and what's the relationship been like? Do you have you ever tried out ideas on each other as your paths went in different directions? No, but I did, was very aware that he was the single funniest human being on earth, and he proved it with with his films. Do you still get together and watch movies together? For oh, a while, sure. you're doing oh, that sure. every night, yeah, three or four times a week. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm here, and I keep Carl company. And also, he has a housekeeper who's a great cook, so it doesn't hurt to get some <laughs> chow mein here for nothing, yeah. you know? No, it's also the uh, the movies that are coming out, some of them are really good. Uh, yeah, the Academy sends us, you know, so yeah. screeners, yeah. and we we go through them and we agree, uh, you know. Hey, Mel, and we just saw Alan Alda <laughs> the other night in Marriage, The Marriage Story, and and it was just an uh, you know an amazing a beautiful crafted performance i mean you are let's say you are talented <laughs> you know you remind me of the first time you and i met you probably don't remember this you were so generous mm. we were on a late night talk show in new york barry gray his oh, name barry. was oh my god yeah and 
And you had just seen me in a play that was so bad, it almost closed during intermission. But you saw the play and you wanted to give me a boost on the air. We didn't know each other. We met on the show. And you said, this is a funny show and this is a funny guy and I know funny. And you... You knew that the play didn't work, but you were so generous yeah, to me that no, night. No, but I wasn't kidding. Your performance was was amazing. You you were really good. In, in <laughs> what was the play? It was called Fair Game for Lovers. Oh. And on opening night, I accidentally set myself on fire on stage. <laughs> <laughs> I was I I was wearing a cheap acetate bathrobe, oh. and I didn't know how to smoke, and I lit a cigarette. And I thought I blew out the match, but the the head of it was still glowing. And I <laughs> accidentally touched the bathrobe, and a sheet of flames came off me. And oh. this is how how crazy a person who who likes comedy is. I thought to myself, as soon as I saw the flames, I thought, oh, this is going to get a big laugh. <laughs> <laughs> they were petrified. They thought they were seeing a man die in front yeah. of them. <laughs> Amazing. Anyway, you were great. Well, that, I that's knew nice. It. Thank you. It's easy to compliment somebody who's really good. How do, you, how do you compliment? It's very hard to yeah, lie. Very hard. Yeah. How, do you, how do you both handle that? You see a play, mm-hmm. you have to go backstage, they know you saw the play, and it was awful. What do you say? Well, I have a, I have a standard thing I say. I say, never seen anything like it, <laughs> which, which could go either way. Yeah. Either. Never seen anything <laughs> quite like that. That's the way I say What it. about you, Carl? You know, I don't, if I, and I, I really don't like it, I, I make reason not to go back. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. You know, Marlo yeah. Thomas said an interesting thing once. People were saying, oh, my God, we got to go backstage. What are we going to say? She said, we're not under oath. We're going to say we loved it. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But Marlo Thomas, we, why is she central to Alan and Mel getting together? Because she had the idea to do the album Free to Be You and Me. Still it's still going strong. After 40-some years. 40 yeah. some, people kids, come up to me. They uh, grew up on it. Their kids are growing up on it. They love it. So yeah. I, what a wonderful album. I performed in it, and I directed you some directed, of the sketches. You directed my sketches. I directed you. Were you, you were yeah. so kind to let me yeah. give you uh, some direction here and there. That was very nice. I kind. I was, you know, grateful. <laughs> you, you were terrific. Let me ask you about this thing of uh, what happens when the two of you interact, you come up with a question. How do you find those questions? How do you respond to it? Because you're both improvising. Carl is devilishly clever, even now, even approaching 98. And his his questions, he he knows how to care. I feel, I don't feel the leash, but I know He's walking me, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I yeah. know it. But yeah. you know, I never feel the least. He, he's very skillful at guiding me through. You know, uh, and, you know, f- coming up with funny answers. You know, the funny thing he is, knows what to ask. I yeah. knew. I always knew that whatever you ask him, you're going to get a funny answer. Yeah. He doesn't know it's coming up. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. He he doesn't trust himself as much as I do because that brain of his doesn't stop. Does not stop. Carl, Carl is a, amazingly adept at a premise. Hey, by the he'll, way, he'll put you into a situation, and yeah. then from then on, you you got to carry. I think the you change that he gives you. By the I, way, I was one of the luckiest second bananas ever, because Sid Caesar was the top of the top bananas, 
And it's so funny because when you think of Sid, he did things naturally that most Stanislavski students had to learn. Now, this I remember seeing, and I couldn't believe it. You know, uh, when when a young actor mimes smoking a cigarette, he does it this way. Sid put space between here. He smoked a cigarette. He could feel a cigarette here. Carlos putting his cigarette in his mouth. Yeah. Think? And I, and <laughs> I was I just watched, figuring out how to make that I, I was clear. watching him. Now, the interesting thing with this, I'll never forget. We're doing pantomimes where he's going to do a pantomime. We said maybe his, his husband, his wife wants a jar of pickles open, and he has trouble opening them. And he's, he's struggling. He's struggling and struggling and struggling. And finally opens the pickles. And we said that that doesn't work. So, Okay. And all of a sudden, all of us are laughing, and he says, what are you laughing at? We said, don't you know what you did? He put the pickle jar down? No. He closed the jar first. He put the jar. (laughs) He closed the jar first, then without looking, he leaned over, put it down, and started to talk. (laughs) He really believed it. Yeah, he felt it. Yeah, that's great. Amazing. But you two know, now you know you can handle anything. And I'm thinking of... A, a story you told me once, Mel, you were, when you were a kid, you were doing a play where you stepped in for somebody at the last minute. Yeah. What, what was that? What play was that? Uh, it, it was Uncle Harry. I was, and I stepped in for a guy who was playing, I was about 14 and a half, and, and the character was about 60 or 70. Uh, he, but he you was, were the only one who knew the lines. Yeah, but I was the only one who knew the lines. In the <laughs> so I, I said, uh, and the lines, I never forgot the lines. There, there, Harry. Now tell me in your own words. I was playing a district attorney. I said, there, there, Harry. Now tell me in your own words, what exactly happened on that night on February the 16th? Okay, I knew, I knew that. So I was the only one who knew the lines. So they made me the district attorney. They put... Uh, I don't know. They put stuff in me to fatten me up, and they they painted uh, bigger a mustache, and they painted stuff on me, and they put a big hunch. And I said, "I said I'm I'm a disc attorney. I'm not Quasimodo. I'm just a disc attorney." You know? <laughs> they, they gave you a wig. Yeah, it was I like the, yeah, a big wig. And what happened was, there, there, Harry. Tell me in your own words. I do the thing. My hand is slippery, and I hand him a glass of water that I've just poured. And the glass slips from my hand, crashes down on the desk, and breaks and spills all over the place. An audible gasp from the Jews in the mountains who are seeing this play. Ah! And then I said, <laughs> I walk down to the foots, to the footlights, and I say, I'm just a kid. I'm only 14 and a half. I've never, and I take my wig off, and and the director of the play chases me with a kitchen knife through three, <laughs> through three other, you know. You know but uh, you, but yeah, you, yeah. you saved it by being direct and yeah, honest with yeah, them, well, and you must have got a big laugh. I got at a big them. laugh. I mean, hey, you know, like, they said, do the Uncle Harry thing. Do the, <laughs> they kept asking for the Uncle Harry play, you know. My first year in summer theater, I was called upon to go up to Rochester. And we we're going to do three-cornered moon, and they told me to learn the part on the way up, and I, I learned as much as I could. But I, I learned the first act, and that was it. 
<laughs> and I said, how the hell do I get to the second and third act? So I got the idea that I was a doctor, and I always had a, my medical book with me. So in the first act, <laughs> while I'm talking to people, I'm looking through my book. Yeah. You know, they yeah. say, what are you? And so uh, they got used to me hand, hand, always with a book, a medical book. And in the second or third act, I, I, read, I read my line, I learn it, I say it, and I go back to the book. I read the, yeah. it took about a week or two before I could put the book away. But that's you, that's a brand. That's, that's a. Brilliant. It is. It's a really using the script as your medical book. Yeah, yeah. perfect. But yeah. once didn't yeah, you? Yeah. Did do I remember right? Didn't you find yourself having to improvise in Shakespearean language? Oh my God! Yes. Uh, when I would. By the way, this is the best experience any actor can have. Do Shakespeare as a youngster. I was seventeen years old. I was hired to be a member of a repertory company touring the South. And it was it was hilarious because the South does not really understand Shakespeare. But here we are doing. And so uh, I, we learned The South that, didn't understand a lot of things. There was a civil war, remember? There was in those days the people you played for didn't seem to understand. Yeah, right? well, there was <laughs> as, you, as You Like It, Comedy of Errors. I played Antiphilus of Ephesus. Uh, and I, there were some wonderful lines. Uh, and I played five different roles. But the last role, they said, we had Hamlet last year, so we don't need it till the end. And so I never learned Claudius. I was going to save. But then they called the last minute and said, oh, we had the, the Taming of the Shrew. Give us Hamlet. So I stayed up all night walking around the quadrille. And you were playing Claudius? Yeah. Yeah. And I kept the book open, the light, hit the light, closed my eyes and walked around all night long. And I learned the first act. Pretty good. Comes the second act. And I got the first, I walk out by myself and say, oh, Gertrude, Gertrude, when sorrows come, they come not single spies, but in battalions. <laughs> the people muddied in their thoughts. For poor Polonius's death, that's all I could remember. So then what? Then I started the first time I ever did double talk. <laughs> never could remember that thou hast the very calls of Famitol doth drape upon the case. Same, and I got to be very emotional because I, I says he doth sign of thing, and I'm screaming. I'm waiting for Laird get, to get the idea that he better he come in. Come in, yeah. And he he listens to me. He's fascinated. Yeah, and 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 when I finish, I'm at such That's a brilliant. high pitch, yeah. the audience burst out in applause, uh. and and I didn't make any sense. It was double first double talk I ever did. So the, so the audience that didn't understand Shakespeare to start with couldn't tell the difference, I guess, between what you did and Shakespeare. And the second night, I was so embarrassed that I stayed up again all night, and I learned it. And how did it go then? Half the applause I got the night before. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I said to myself, obviously, I write better than Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes they improvise, and sometimes they go to elaborate lengths to prepare for a joke, especially a practical joke. More on that when we come back after this break.
Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney Bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. Rack your look for spring at Nordstrom Rack and save up to 60% on brands you love. Rag & Bone, Vince, Marc Jacobs, Adidas, Joes, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. Score new dresses, denim, sandals, designer bags, and sunglasses, plus updates for the family and home. Get your spring on for less, up to 60% less, today at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find? When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 BrandSpark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated. This is Clear and Vivid, and now back to my conversation with Carl Reiner and Mel Brooks. Here's Mel telling me about the elaborate preparations he made to surprise Carl and everyone else at the year 2000 ceremony for the Mark Twain Prize for American Humor. Let me tell you what I did once because of Carl. Carl was honored, uh, rightly so, for for being, you know, the funniest single comedian in America, you know. And I was there to, you know, to support him we, you, like you do. You know, you, yeah. you, you have your friend. I'm one of his best friends. I was going to be there. But I wanted to do something different. So, uh, and I knew they were going to call me up. So I, I had the makeup guy at Fox who had just done Young Frankenstein for me build a nose, a great big nose, kind of a bigger nose. And, and when it was my turn, and he said, and ladies and gentlemen, you know, he was lauding me for being his friend, for being funny. And I said, I said, I hate to take this opportunity, but I want to just tell the goddamn truth. I am not a Jew. This is a fake nose. And I pulled my nose off. <laughs> you know, I was able to do it because they, this is the new, I'm sick and tired of being the two, this 2,000-year-old Jew. I am from Waco, Texas. My <laughs> name is Red Clifton, and I am sick and tired of being this Jew boy. And I went. <laughs> and by the way, he sat at a table with us, that piece of prosthesis was so brilliantly done. You didn't notice it. Nobody noticed yeah. it. Nobody noticed yeah. it. And then when he when he realized that when it came off, we fell apart. We absolutely <laughs> fell apart. I never saw yeah. anything. And I said, I'm not the only one who hates doing this. I said, you look outside. Yeah, and, and I had people, I, I had I purchased uh, the, for the evening, a bunch of people with signs that said, Carl is not that funny. He shouldn't get the award. <laughs> and they were, they were parading around the shrine yeah, yeah. auditorium. It was, it was a great night. He did a night of protest. He did another funny one that uh, my, my son, my brother, my son, my son and I 
we did our hands in the Grauman's Chinese together with yeah. first father and son done it. Mel topped it. He put his hands in the cement, but he had a prosthesis made, so he had seven fingers. Yeah, six. <laughs> oh, six. Great. six. Six fingers, fingers on, on one hand yeah. and five on the other. Yeah, yeah. So you see these hands, yeah. and there's 11, <laughs> 11 fingers. And to this day, I sneak by the theater, and you always hear somebody outside ground and say, Henry, Henry, come over here. Look, I think Mel Brooks has six fingers. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I always catch somebody. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> I'm thinking about your relationship, which is almost like a marriage. It's been going on so long. Well, we're not exactly, you know. <laughs> like, marriage like a marriage yeah. in some ways. In some way, yeah. 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 So not in marriages, way. there are disagreements. There yeah. are highs and lows. Yep. How do you two handle a disagreement? Well, we very rarely have a disagreement. We very rarely fight. We really uh, we, well, sincerely, genuinely really like each other. You know, let me do, before we get before we have to go, let me ask you. People say you got to keep active as you get older, but this is ridiculous what you both are able to do. <laughs> you know something? If you're every if you're every man, you have questions. I I wrote a book once called uh, "How to Live Forever." It's a two hundred and seventy-one page book. So just reading it makes you live no, forever. No, the, the first line of the first line of the book is when you wake up in the morning, have a project you're working on. During the day, work on that project, improve it until you approve of the improvements, <laughs> then start a new project. And that's, that's the what only you do. line in the book. There's 271 pages, it goes over and over. That's what oh, you it mean. Is. That's, that, that sentence you just said is on every page? Yes. On oh, every page. So that... and, and then I realized that it's true. When you wake up in the morning, if you have something you want to do, you stay alive. Uh, Carl writes a book every year. Mel, yes. you've appeared yeah. in front of thousands of people at Radio City Musical, like yeah. five thousand people, yeah, and yeah. you and and you hold an audience and kill for a couple of hours. And London, the Palladium. What what are you, where are you playing next? Well, actually, on ABC sometime this fall in October, you will see live Young Frankenstein, like. You know, with a live audience. and that's oh, oh, they're going to play we're, in front yeah, of Yeah, we're putting that together. Oh, that's great. Right. And I am studying French. Je suis ici. I am, okay. Uh, <laughs> I am studying French because sometime in this coming winter, fall, winter, Les Producteurs, the producers, the musical that played on Broadway for so long, is going to be in Paris. So I'm going to see if I can get over there on opening night. Oh, and, that's great. Congratulations. Know. Oh, that'd be wonderful. Yeah, I'm studying already. I'm saying, uh, je suis très heureux être ici ce soir. I mean, I'm learning how to say I'm, I'm, I'm learning how to lie and say I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> well, in, you, in you, you already can it's speak. It's hard so, to you, lie in French. You can speak French. You, you, you painted a dish for us once. Just enough to eat. <clears throat> no, but you the even. water. You quoted uh, an old French saying, uh, a chaque oiseau son nid est beau. Yeah, right. That means a chaque oiseau son nid est beau is French for each bird thinks 
His nest is beautiful. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, that was very I, sweet. So, so, was, so you can say that all over France. I can. Yeah, they would say, "Why is he saying? Why is he saying talking about a bird a nest?" You know, <laughs> but he, just, that's all just, he ever just, says. He's a shot by zone, so needy boy. Yeah. He, he doesn't say good morning, how are you, good evening. Just a shot by zone, so needy boy. Yeah. Yeah. I like, was I was lucky that yeah. during the war at Georgetown University, they decided to make a bunch of us. French interpreters. So and we studied is, French for a whole year. Yeah. So and, and then some, they sent us to do Hawaii. Still, in do case still, somebody, oh, they sent you to Hawaii to be a French interpreter. Yeah. But his French is exquisite. It really is good. Oh, I, great. Because you learned in the Army. Yeah. yeah. Been, I, didn't I have that. the Army to thank for that. Now, what are yeah. you? What, how many books have you written? About a dozen and a half. Yeah, a are you working half. on one now? I just, I'm going to give you one. It's the labor of my love. Let me just tell you a little about yeah, it. Yeah, good. I wrote a, a book called The Scrunch Book. I took famous, I looked in the garbage can one day, and there was a, a Scrunch People magazine, and the face of a woman, and I unscrunched it. It was Angelina Jolie, and thereupon a book was born. Oh. I scrunched up a hundred celebrities' faces, you turn the page, you try to guess who it is. It was a very good uh, coffee table book. People played the game. Then I decided to do the same thing with the great artists of the world, the photos of the great art of the world. And that one has just been reviewed. They called it a masterpiece. I have one for you. Oh, that's great. So, the, the, you, you, what about your the box set, Mel, of Anne's works? Yeah, well, I decided that uh, that Anne shouldn't be forgotten. She was too great an artist. Your your wife, the brilliant Anne yeah, Bancroft. Yeah, oh boy, that's a treasure that I use. Yeah. So I decided I called the Shout Factory, which is an organization that puts out little little classic. Uh, box sets of particular, you know, a collection of films. And they, they did one called, I don't know, the, the Mel Brooks collection. And I and I was talking to one of them the other the other, the other year, and I said, uh, what about some of Anne's pictures like th that are not recognized, Anne Bancroft's pictures that she wrote and directed this movie starring Don DeLuise called Fatso? It's a, I said, it's a little masterpiece. Yeah, it's you know? wonderful. And... Uh, and so we talked, and they said, well, what about, uh, you know, would, what about uh, wonderful movies that, that she did that people don't know, like uh, The Pumpkin Eater, hmm. that Jack Clayton directed and, you know, who did Room at the Top? And uh, I said, yeah, done in England with Peter Finch and James Mason. I said, it's a, ma it's a little masterpiece, and nobody knows that. So we, you know, we started thinking of Anne Bancroft films, of course, The Miracle Worker and The Graduate, you know, and some of her very well-known films. And I said, is there a box set? And they said, there is. And we went to work on it, and it's just out. And uh, it's, I'm happy to say, doing very well. It's, yeah, that's great. It, it, you know, it's funny. Uh, My wife and I went to see a, a play with Anne Bancroft. We didn't know who she was or mm. what the play was. And what was her first play on Broadway? Two for the seesaw. Two for the seesaw. And we saw a performance that, you know, we, our eyes were popping. I know. I felt the same mm -hmm. way. And, and you know, the interesting thing is that uh, it was uh, her, her, her co-star was... Uh, Fonda. Henry Fonda. Henry Fonda. 
And uh, she would take the first bow. He was a star. He took the second bow with much less applause. <laughs> and he got the idea. He says, this is a two-person stream. We should take it together. So they walked down to the So stage. neither one could get the yeah. less applause. Yeah. That's yeah, it. Really. That was so generous. Yeah. <laughs> so listen, we end our interviews with seven quick questions. They're, they're not embarrassing, but they are sometimes very illuminating. Okay. You're you in for it? And yeah, you can, for either one of you can answer first. I'm going to give you the one answer right away. The answer is jello. You think that'll work for any question? Yeah, now Carl, Carl will give you the question. Okay, well, uh, uh, actually, the first what question. Do you have, what do you always have room for? <laughs> That's it, okay. So you now, always, your, your answer actually fits the first question. <laughs> the first question is, what do you wish you really understood? <laughs> and I, jello. <laughs> that actually does fit the first question. What about you, Carl? What do you wish you really understood? Why there's so much... Uh, anger in the world. I mean, uh, how how do we get? I know what I ask. How did we get Trump? How did we get? <laughs> we got Trumped. Okay. Question number two. How do you tell someone they have their facts wrong? They have their facts wrong. Yeah. I think I think you have somebody else ask them so that you're not responsible. Say that's for a, the embarrassment. So Say that's a you. very interesting. Yeah. That's very a very interesting fact you have. Where did you get it? Because I've never heard that before. Yeah. I understand just the opposite. Yeah, but, yeah. but you must have you, done you know. a lot of research. Yeah, good yeah. call. Good, good. That's how okay. You get next, that. what's the strangest question anyone has ever asked you? Oh, I've got I've got so many. I'm. I'm, I'm yeah. uh, one one I get a lot is if you, you claim to be five seven and you look much shorter. Is there a, a reason for this disparity? You actually get asked that. I get asked that because I do claim to be five seven, and of course over the years I must have lost an inch or two, and I get called on it. <laughs> Wait, hey, Carl, can you think of it? Uh, uh, well, I'm asked and uh, a question, the most, the, the strangest question you've ever been asked. Uh, can't think of any. Isn't that awful? That's because you ask all the strange questions. <laughs> yeah, he does. He Mel does. gives the answers. Yes, yes, I'm an I'm a, I'm a, I'm an asker, not an askee. Yeah. <laughs> How do you stop a compulsive talker? You walk out of the room. <laughs> That's it. You did. <laughs> what do you do, Mel? I, you know, I just I I don't I just have have the intelligence not to, to stop them. Huh. I just uh, you know. Just grin and bear it, and sit. I if 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 my if I'm not in a chair with arms, I might stop it. But as if long you're as not it, in a chair with arms, wait, I give, I don't yeah. get that one. Well, if there are arms, I can grip the arms oh. and get and get through it. <laughs> right, and they can talk forever. But if I don't have the arms, I might have to say stop. <laughs> hey, uh, uh, how do how do you start up a conversation with someone next to you at a dinner party? A real conversation. Uh, well, if you know the person, if you know of the person and what they've. Done yeah, in let's their say life. you don't know you ask them specific things about a particular 
subject they you know. So what know about somebody you never met before and you don't oh, know anything well, about? Oh, things them. like you could say. Um, Do you know how famous you, I am? Yeah, or no? <laughs> did you always have that blue mark on your forehead? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good beginning. Hey, by the recent, you know, by the way, you remember that line we talked about Jello? Yeah, it was an ad lib that my yeah, secretary. Right. Well, I did a movie where they're going into the um, the Senate chamber or something, and they're asking these uh, big uh, science. I mean, uh, senators questions. Is it true that you're so and so? Is it true that you're, you're going to impeach? Try to impeach the man? Is true? And then my secretary was one of the. I just said you'll be among them, and she said. Is it true that you always have room for Jello? Yeah, and it, it, great, yeah. it got the biggest laugh. <laughs> that, that's like uh, I'll have what she's having. Yeah, yeah, right. Oh boy, what a what a line that was! Wow, Estelle well, Reiner. Yeah, she commanded she, our attention. Goes down in history. A season of movies. Okay, here's one. Next to last question: What gives you confidence? What gives me confidence? Uh, my, my the history of me, mm -hmm. you know. I always I wake up. I'm now doing something. Something's going to mm -hmm. tickle me, and I'm now doing a thing called uh, uh, eavesdropping myself. <laughs> of course, Brilliant. I get out of bed sometime, and I say, "Where are you going? Where am I going? I'm going to the toilet." You know that. What are you telling? What are you asking? <laughs> and, uh, uh, and so I have these long conversations with myself. I'm going to actually, I'm going to actually put them in many forms. They're going to be in. Brilliant, brilliant. I'm going to film them. I'm going to tape yeah. them. I'm going to, uh, you know, write them. So, uh, but I'm going to actually, great. I'm well, going to actually uh, have a tape on them. So it's you so can, great. You, yeah, you just yeah. one idea after another. He does, great. and he's uh, he's amazing. Now, Mel, you you have more confidence probably than anybody I've ever met. Well, I've, I'm Mel Brooks, and I know it. Yeah, <laughs> I I just I, when I looked, I and I I realized what my name is. I said, "Boy, are you lucky? You know, <laughs> you're gonna get you're gonna get a lot of laughs. That that's that's." He's good, and, and I'm he, and he's me. And anyway, right, well, uh, honestly, you know, I just, you know, uh, I just feel, you know, that I, I really feel I was born to do it. So I just. You know, what always it. impressed me about him very early in life when he didn't have a lot of money, he became a collector of, of books that he read. But uh, first editions and whatever you can get. You still have any of those books? Oh yeah, the Mo. I, my daughter has most of them, and they are. There was a first editions, you know, club, and, and well, this is perfect. This is perfect. This leads into our last question. What book changed your life? Good, good. Well, I'll go. Yeah, Robinson Crusoe. Why? Because it starts from utter need. From scratch, Robinson Crusoe is shipwrecked. He has nothing. He doesn't even have the right attire, clothing against the you know the sun, and he has no tools. He has no food to speak. Of. I mean, and from nothing, he creates a a life, a real, honest. 
life in which he survives. He he he, he makes you know clothing. He he finds food. He survives. And it's the word, the one word that's critical to me, and will always be is survival. Mm. It's an incredible, brilliant concept that's realized. You know? That's great. What about you, Carl? What book changed you? The life? discovery of Mark Twain. Mm. When I first read the, uh, I forgot which the first book I read. I couldn't believe what I was reading. I said, "My God, it wasn't. It wasn't." When I read the Connecticut Yankee, I was it forever. But, uh, and so uh, remember once uh, uh, um, I did some event, they want to give me a, a car for doing the event. And my wife said, he has a car. She said, what would he like? He liked Mark Twain. They gave me a first edition of Mark Twain's complete works where he signed the third copy. Because his name is, I happen in the room there. It's, I treasure that. Mark Twain was it for me. Mm-hmm. He, uh, and when I saw Hal Holbrook put Mark Twain on the stage, and he became real, mm. I was a, that, that to me was yeah, he revelatory. Was, he was amazing. He really was. Well, you guys are it for yeah. me. And well, I'm, you are it for us, Alan. We don't do this. I know that. I know that. And I've known both of you for 45 and, or and 50 the fact years. We don't do it for no money either. I know. I know. And here we and, are and doing I'm, it for no money <laughs> just out of love for you. It's just I don't believe He it. would do it. Seven dollars and eighty cents is all we would ask. <laughs> yeah, well, it's something. <laughs> Thank you so much. I oh, really, it's our pleasure. I, I've, I've known you a long time, and this is uh, going to be are, one of my happiest memories of knowing we you. We are big fans, and we really love you and appreciate you. Thank you, guys. This has been clear and vivid. At least I hope so. My thanks to the sponsors of this episode. All the income from the ads you hear go to the Center for Communicating Science at Stony Brook University. Just by listening to this podcast, you're contributing to the better communication of science. So thank you. Carl and Mel are unstoppable. Carl, at 98, continues to write. And you can find out all about his most recent books by visiting randomcontent.com. And of course, he tweets at Carl Reiner. Mel continues to write and perform, and even has a new fashion line of t-shirts and hats. You can find out about all of his latest projects and products at melbrooks.com and on Twitter at melbrooks. This episode was edited and produced by our executive producer, Graham Chedd, with help from our executive producer, Sarah Chase, and our associate producer, Gene Chermay. Our sound engineer is Dan DeZula, our tech guru is Allison Costin, and our publicist is Sarah Hill. You can subscribe to our podcast for free at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. For more details about Clear and Vivid and to sign up for my newsletter, please visit alanalda.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Clear and Vivid, and I'm on Twitter at Alan Alda. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Next in our series of conversations, I talk with Fareed Zakaria. Fareed, what a good conversation we had. It was, it was enormously fun for me as well. You can range over history and politics and human experience 
in almost any direction. It's just great talking with you. Thank you for being on the show. It's a huge pleasure for me. A great conversation is one of the great joys of life, and it was an honor and pleasure to have a great, great conversation with you. For me, too. Next time on Clear and Vivid, Fareed Zakaria. <laughs>